So we were listening there to We Are One in the Spirit by Peter Scholes. And I just, I just love the words and the feeling of that strong song really to me, really speak into what we were talking about with Father Matsupane about our call to, to be generous hearted, to be available for others, to welcome others into our midst and really to take seriously this invitation that at the local level, at our parish level, we should be encouraging, um, an openness, a generosity, an awareness of others who are in our midst of strangers, of foreigners who are coming into our context. And we know that, you know, Catholic Catholicism in particular is such a universal church. We know that I guarantee you in any church in the, in the country, you will find somebody sitting beside you, sitting in the congregation who is not South African and who really you can welcome into your own space. And that's very, very important. And I think what Father Matsupane was saying was that if we as churches take this seriously, if we start to really change attitudes on the grounds, on the grass level, we do not know the power we have to influence society, but, but it is there. Talking about influencing society in a positive way, we're also at the moment in the Jesuit Institute really taking seriously this question of drug and alcohol abuse that we are hearing about. And, and again, I'd like to just talk about grassroots experiences. Some of our interest in this has been from, as many of you know, um, particularly Puleng at Seneng and myself and Anne-Marie Paul and Campbell, we spend a lot of time doing retreats in parishes around the country. And just as we listen to people coming on retreat, we are hearing more and more the story of the impact that alcohol and drug dependence is having on people, sometimes on the retreat and sometimes on people they know, people in their family, and just really being moved by this. And this year, as you heard earlier in the ad, the Jesuit Institute is offering a three-day workshop running around the country on addiction with Father Tom Weston. And I'll talk to you a little bit more about that in a moment or two. But we have on the line from the South African National Council on Drug and Alcohol Dependence, we have um, uh, we have on the line somebody from there for us now. Uh, just hang on one moment. Sorry, I'm having a, a, a blank moment. Miss Karen Chrysal on the line from Sanka. So good morning, Karen. Good morning. And welcome to Radio Veritas. Thank you so much. It's very nice to have you here. Can you just, we're, we're kind of trying to look broadly at what various responses are available to people who are struggling with addiction in the country, but can you just tell us in brief about the work of Sanka? All right, so we offer different types of services. Um, I'll name them and then I'll just give a few examples. Great. Um, firstly, we have inpatient treatment services which would include your individual therapy, group therapy, occupational therapy, detox, to name but a few. Mm -hmm. And then we can move on to outpatient treatment services. That's where a person does not go into an institution, but they can move in and out. Mm -hmm. uh, assessment, motivation, medical treatment, family counseling, Relapse management, drug testing, aftercare, and self-help groups. Then another service we offer is diversion programs. Um, again, 
counseling with the family and the significant others, referrals if needed, networking with community resources okay. and community service. Okay. Another service we offer is statutory service, and that would be all your procedures relating to committal through the courts, liaison with the courts, and designated rehab centers. And then lastly, aftercare, again, um, individual counseling, group therapy, family therapy, and um, self-help group. Okay, so, so that, in short, is what it offers. Okay, so SANC is really looking at quite a holistic, long-term engagement with people suffering from addiction and, and try, trying to deal with addiction, where you, you both have inpatient work and then it sounds like quite a lot of outpatient work where you're, you're supporting both the person but also the family, the, 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 the people closest to them. Yes. So, so obviously we are, we are here at Radio Veritas. We're a, a Catholic radio station. Mm-hmm. And at the heart of Catholic social teaching lies this concept of the dignity of the person. And I just, I just want to tease out. I, I know that it should be fairly obvious to people, but perhaps it's helpful occasionally just to reiterate and to tease this stuff out. But it seems to me that the reason that there is a real problem with drug and alcohol abuse is, and that it's so damaging, is that it erodes the person's sense of their own dignity. And simultaneously, I mean, we hear about this a lot, that especially when people are under the influence of such substances, it erodes their awareness of the dignity of others and, and thus allows them to be extremely violent, to act in ways that they wouldn't normally, and to do things and say things that they wouldn't normally. Um, and just what are your experiences of the effects of alcohol and drug abuse on individuals, their families and their communities in the South African context? Okay, so um, firstly I will address the, the moral effects of drug and alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. Because it seems underlying that's what you're asking in the question. Yeah. Uh, drugs and alcohol abuse corrupts a person's morals because their behavior becomes dysfunctional when they're in active addiction. Um, the individual will often resort to dishonest and even criminal conduct because of the addiction to the sub- substance. It actually overrides the value system. And this is where dignity is lost. Mm-hmm. And often in therapy, this is psychologically what people struggle with the most. They know it's wrong. They know better. But when they in active addiction, they'll act contradictory and they struggle to, to deal with those things when in recovery. Okay. And then furthermore, individually, um, other effects will include the change of the way the individual feels because of the change of brain chemistry. When the chemical, the natural chemical, the dopamine, which is used to make you feel good, is depleted, um, that person often becomes depressed mm-hmm. as well. So it's got extra added effects on the individual, not just the addiction. Others would include health problems, infections, legal and financial issues, accidents, loss of employment, and family members don't want anything to do with them anymore, and then unfortunately even death. Right. Right, and then on the families, um, it is obviously heartbreaking and completely destructive. 
It is fair to say that when one member of the family is an addict or an alcoholic, the whole family is sick. It's stressful because of the dishonesty, stealing, unemployment, being absent, lots of fighting, and then the shame that's often associated with having an individual in the family that's um, addicted to substances. And then in our community, economically, it costs the country a lot of money because of the treatments that need to be made available, people that aren't productive. And then unfortunately, those working addicts and alcoholics put other people's lives in danger, especially when they're in jobs like, you know, driving buses or um, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then the supporting of dealers and, and drug manufacturers and crime are underlying themes as well. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that um, I hope sums it up for you. In a in a nutshell, it kind of gives a, a very a very succinct summary. <laughs> okay. Just. As we look at the South African context, just can you tell us a little bit about what are the kinds of rates of drug and alcohol abuse in South Africa? Okay, just um, short and sweet. Um, drug abuse, unfortunately, is on the rise, mm -hmm. uh, especially amongst younger people. Cannabis and alcohol are mostly used. And then mayope, which is a, a mixture of dacha and heroin that is smoked, is we're also finding a lot of that, together with uh, wunga. Wunga is, again, also dacha and heroin, but as well as ARVs that they mix in it. It's a deadly mixture. Crack cocaine and tick, that would be your mess, are also always growing trends, especially in your um, underprivileged communities where they can buy their, their fix for a few rands, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and roughly 15% 15 of South Africans have a drug problem. Wow. Yeah. That's very high. Yes. Okay. And just a, a sense of are there particularly vulnerable groups in the country? Are you saying it's on the rise with young people? Mm -hmm. what, what are the kind of, where should we be most concerned? Who are the people most vulnerable to becoming addicts? I think there's two groups that are, I've identified. Um, and the first one are those from a lower socioeconomic status mm -hmm. where poverty and unemployment is rife and it's the boredom and the hopelessness and the helplessness that leads to using substances to, to get through the day. Right. And then the other group definitely is the younger children uh, who are also caught up in poverty and they see their parents doing it and it's a way of life, it's a lifestyle. And then even other younger adults who are just experimenting, unfortunately, and then they get physically addicted and then the road is paved out for them, mm -hmm. unfortunately. So we're yeah. really looking at, at youth, at, at young adults and youth as being our, our, our most vulnerable age group. Mm. Okay. I'm sorry, can you just repeat the question? I said, uh, it was more a comment, I was just saying we're oh, really oh, looking sorry. at youth <laughs> and young adults as being our most vulnerable age group, that, yes. that they should be the people who, you know, kind of 
So, so one of the things we try to think about on the show is, is what response can we make as churches? And just I'm kind of thinking through, again, the need for, for church programs for young adults, for teenagers mm. that just provide another, another context for them to be, to be safe in. Yes, so, um, you know, the, the church, I would reckon, should be a supportive institution um, for all things in life that mm-hmm. we struggle with socially. And many churches, I believe, offer support groups for individuals looking to recover. Yeah. Uh, churches should also be networking within the community to be able to refer those looking for help. Uh, so you should have people that you know and organizations should be connected so you can refer people when they look for help and reach out because that's the moment that you you can help someone is when they actually admit that Definitely. they're having a problem right and uh, continuous prayer i mean in help and practical assistance i would think reintegration family restoration can also be incorporated mm-hmm um, addiction and alcoholism should be addressed more openly, I believe. Um, information on where to get help should be easily accessed, even advertised. And, and the stigma of it should be tackled because, um, you know, sometimes churches don't want to really go there, yeah. unfortunately, to be honest with you. Okay, so there's a, there's a real thing about... Um, about bringing it into the open, talking mm-hmm. about this is a problem in our community, having posters up that talk about where you can get help, mm. making sure that pastors or church secretaries have referrals in their local area that they know who are the people to refer to. That all sounds, yeah, absolutely right. Okay. Oh, just, it leads me into my next question, which is, uh, the people who listen to the show, we really have a wide variety of people listening. We have people who kind of come from the suburban areas, in the urban suburban areas. We have people coming from township contexts. But we also have a number of listeners who are really in rural South Africa. And I'm sure that there are very different ways of trying to access help in those different contexts. Just can you just give us, just off the top of your head, what would be the first port of call um, for for some of those different contexts? Should they Should they be touching into Sanka or or should they be going to local clinics or, or, or what would be the ideal way forward if someone was looking for help? Okay, so for obviously far rural areas is, is a challenge, you know, but Sanka does offer outreach programs mm-hmm. and, and projects um, and I think the best thing to do is to call Sanka for information. Sanka themselves can also send pamphlets and information to an area if requested, and um, if there's a great need, they will organize an outreach event. Um, another thing with, with rural, far rural, is that family members should maybe send the individual to other families that are living a bit closer to organizations, okay. uh, which can give them the support just for that period of time. That could be an option. Right. But members of SANCA are widely available in all our townships. Um, organizations are from Soweto to Eshikaleni, Dipsluit, uh, East Rand, to name but a few. All that information you can get on sankacentral.co.za. So we will, we will put a link, certainly from the Jesuit Institute, we'll put a link up to SANCA so that people can find your details easily. Yes, definitely. 
Well, I just had one last uh, question that's more sort of this is more specific um, and just mm. piqued my curiosity because we have we have diabetes in my family, mm. but um, I saw on the site that there is a a clear link between diabetes and alcoholism and I just I just wondered if you wanted to tell us a little bit more about that because I'm aware of diabetes as a kind of it's a, it's a sort of silent killer that, mm. that hovers in many family lines and if you mm. wanted to just talk a bit about that to us right so the, it's just got to do with a little bit of um, biology right so alcohol causes blood sugar to rise and um, can cause and can cause hypoglycemia which is low blood sugar levels okay so the problem is alcohol worsens by the diabetic nerve damage. So the, the nerve damage would be the numbness and the pain that the person experiences. Mm-hmm. And when the alcohol goes into the bloodstream where the liver metabolizes it, the problem is that there were, where the liver should be regulating the blood sugar, um, it's now busy metabolizing the alcohol. So where it's supposed to be regulating um, the blood sugar is focusing on the alcohol. Right. Yeah. So, so what you're really saying is that alcohol is very dangerous for people who, who suffer from diabetes. That it's yes, definitely. And un- unfortunately, you know, the big danger with um, hypoglycemia is dizziness, disorientation, sleepiness, passing out, and um, it's, it's very concerning. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much, Karen for being on the show with us and for sharing your expertise and your insight into Sanko with us. And, um, yes, we, we certainly hope that some of your recommendations to us as a church will, will begin to take place in parishes around the country. And thank you so much for giving us the platform to share this information with people so they can be empowered and, and help their loved ones or reach out to get help themselves. Thank you. God bless and good luck with the work you do. Thank it's you essential so much. to the country. Keep well. Thank you. So we were talking there to Karen from um, Sanka, and she was just talking in broad terms about what is available from Sanka. And just that, that real challenge, and if you're listening to the program, when you go into church this Sunday, I just want you to go to the notice board and just see, is there on your notice board, is there any kind of poster, is there any kind of advertising that helps people who may be battling with alcohol or drug abuse to know where they could get help? And, you know, sometimes just seeing those kind of posters on a regular basis can be just the thing that someone who is battling themselves with an addiction or someone whose family member is battling with addiction needs in order to take the next step. And if there isn't, then maybe to go to your parish priest and to talk about, well, can we can we make a post or can we maybe print out something from Sanka? If you go to their website, you can see all their details that we can put up so that there is at least some level of immediate referral available from the back of the church, from the notice board. These are important things for us to be noticing as Christians, as participants in the life of the church. How are we helping those members of our congregation? And if we're talking about 15% of the country, we can guarantee that there are people suffering with addiction sitting in your church, sitting next to you on the pew. So. That's my challenge to everyone listening to Radio Veritas today. Just have a look at your church and see, are we, are we being sensitive, are we being pastorally sensitive to people who may be battling with addiction by offering the kind of referral help that they might need? Are we going to move again to a piece of music?